You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter, at Locked On WBB. You can like us on Facebook, Locked On Women's Basketball, and I'd urge you to not only subscribe, but go ahead and rate us on iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Make sure that you get every new episode as soon as they go up. Uh, well, I'm very excited about this episode today. I, I guess I'm excited about all of them, but this one in particular comes uh, just a couple weeks after I had the revelation of getting to watch Destiny Slocum play in person for the first time. I'd watched her on television and come to really admire what she'd done, but to see what she managed to accomplish in person, it takes to a different level. We'll get into that a little bit. Destiny, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Place I'd love to start is just your earliest memories. You know, Idaho, as I'm sure you know, is not a typical hotbed for basketball. And so I'm wondering for you, what were the first moments that you remember playing hoops and, and what brought you to the game? Um, just playing with my dad, watching my dad play in the parks. Uh, that's where I first found my first love of the game. And over the years, it just kind of grew. Uh, started playing like Y ball out there. Uh, I practiced with my brother, my older brother's team and things like that. And so it just kind of became like a hobby that turned into a love. And I mean, I was always outside if it was winter, if it was snowing, if it was summer. Uh, basketball always seemed to be something that I'd be willing to do in any time of the year, any weather, at any time. So that was my earliest memories. And, and you know, you read about you, you'll practice out in the rain. You'd practice uh, under any circumstances. Did you find your game right away was more advanced than your peers? And was there an understanding that, okay, this is not just advanced compared to my peers, but I'm in a position to do some things in the game of basketball that very few people have a chance to do? Um, I wouldn't say my game was a little more advanced. I'd say, like, my mindset as an athlete was a little more advanced. Like, the things I wanted to accomplish and the time I was willing to put into it is a lot of – were things that a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do at 10 years old or 11 years old. I mean, uh, my Friday nights and Saturday nights weren't spent with friends. They were fr- spent playing pickup ball uh, in the gyms. And, like, to me, that was fun. That was a good Friday, Saturday night. And, like, for growing up, like, a lot of people don't think of it that way. And for me, that's just how I was wired was, oh, I just want to – it wasn't even to get better. It was just I want to go play basketball. I want to go – that's what I want to do. Mom, dr- Dad, drive me to the gym. I want to go right now. I want to play. And so, I mean, that's not a word that a lot of young kids have. And I'd say that's just something I was really born with and something that really has grown over the years. So, Do you think that any aspect of this uh, was what allows you to, for instance, get to loose balls? Something I noticed that you do extremely well is you notice where the ball is going a couple of seconds ahead. Uh, and that's obviously something vital for a point guard, but it's something that you see on the defensive side of things. I see the way you'll follow your own misses, misses of others, and get to the ball first. Is that just coming from years in the gym of seeing the way the ball comes off the rim and playing those games? Yeah, I think so. Just uh, basketball IQ, just kind of knowing and feeling the game and just kind of letting the game come to you. Uh, sometimes you don't even have to think, you just do. And I think after years of practice and just kind of – how you said watching the ball come off the rim so many times, you know where it's going, and so you just kind of use your basketball IQ to find it. Now, you're playing just about any chance you can get. Who are you watching at this time while you're growing up and, and thinking about the way to pattern your game? 
Um, a big. I loved watching like old clips of of players. Like, I love watching nowadays. Uh, I always like LeBron James. So I think I love the way he plays so hard. But like, if there was one player that I really wanted to watch, I mean, I'd look up videos on YouTube of Jason Williams because I liked the way he was just kind of like. Was, I wouldn't say flashy, but he was just crafty with the ball. Like, And his passing was amazing. And I like that all his clips weren't just of him dunking or trying to score. Like, They were of him making amazing passes or him setting up a teammate in a great way. I really like that as a point guard to kind of craft my game after that. Williams is someone who also he does something that you do where he can go in and out of the lane almost at will. And it's not necessarily getting into the lane in order to get just to the hoop, but it's almost treating it like a highway for yourself uh, for the offense. Is that something that came early or is that something that's more a product of the type of spacing that you have at Maryland? Um, I mean, I would say that's been there for a while. I mean, I think I've always put on teams where the spacing is really good and I didn't think through the years that I've just kind of developed that as a skill. Your decision to come to Maryland, there, there was a significant process in high school. You originally committed to University of Washington. You made the decision to come east, but something that was notable to me was this following quote from, from you uh, during high school. I've never given UConn a thought. That's not the school for me. I want to make a name for myself and my team and do something that's never been done before. What do you view as the things that you want to be done that have never been done before? Um, I mean, I think just writing a new story, even here, even though the, uh, Maryland has a 2006 national championship, uh, it's more of just kind of like creating a story in women's basketball that uh, can be heard outside of women's basketball. Like, I want people to make a story where people know about women's basketball and kind of branding the game. Uh, that's what I really want to do because I think that's something that few people have done. I mean, UConn has done it. I mean, with Brianna Stewart and them, they've done it. Uh, they're expanding the game, and that's just my main goal is to expand the game and just kind of show people that we can play too. And so out of everything, I mean, national championships are great, but branding the game is is really important to me too. Do you think of uh, – my understanding is you're a business major. Is that correct? I was I was yeah. a business major. I'm a kinesiology major now. Oh, interesting. Okay, I cause I wondered whether the study of business, if you thought, was part and parcel for being a a women's professional athlete. That there are so many ways in which women have to be their own marketing star, their own branding, rather than come into something that's sort of pre-built. Whether you're looking at the NBA or the NFL. Yeah, uh, I think that it is a vital thing. Um, I think women have to do a lot of like selling and explaining to a lot of people of almost like we're like salesmen. Uh, we go out there and we uh, give people, tell them why the game is so good and why we also work just as hard and things like that. And a lot of people, they won't believe us or they'll be like, oh, women's basketball is not a sport. So, I mean, you go through a lot of adversity being a women's basketball player. And I think like it kind of is similar to the business side because you're out there selling things that people may not agree with and, you just got to keep pushing and going through. Your own game acts as this implicit sale for women's basketball in terms of the highlights that you put together, uh, destroying defenders, breaking ankles, things of that sort. Do you, as you're playing the game, when you have an experience like that, do you, does it, do you register it that way as, you know, look, this is also something that, well, I, I just made another highlight. I, I maybe made another sale for someone who was able to see me play. Um, no, I'm just playing. I mean, in the end, 
uh, I really everything just comes off of me just being who I am and just playing the game I am. And I think if I was to overthink that and think like that, that that would mess with the game, mm. like my game as a player. And so, I mean, I'm just out there playing. And if someone thinks something's a highlight, sometimes I'm like, oh, I do that all the time. Uh, <laughs> that's my go-to move. But they've only seen me do it one time. So to them, that's a highlight. And to me, I'm like, oh, I've been doing that since I was like six. Right. So, right. I mean, I guess it's just how people see things. And I mean, I, I'm excited that they think that <laughs> my dribbling and things like that is highlight. So. And, and in terms of the non-highlight portion of the game, uh, you, you were talking after the UConn game and talked about the fact that Coach, you thought, was extremely patient with you and allowed you to make mistakes as you go. But you look at things like your turnover rate uh, is low, not just for a freshman point guard, but for a point guard across the country. Do you think that part of the freedom that you get has to do with your decision-making process being as advanced as it is? Um, I would say, I mean, I said coach is patient because, I mean, she put a lot of trust into a freshman that, I mean, I think I do have advanced decision making, but there's a lot of times where my head goes back to a freshman and I make decisions where I'm like, why did I throw that pass? Or why did I do that? And I mean, I think that when it comes to like turnovers and things like that, I think with the trust that coach gives me that, I mean, I'm not really... I just think my IQ is smart to know when to throw and when not to throw. But sometimes it can flow back to being a point guard where you're just kind of playing the game and something happens. Person reaches a hand in there and you get a steal and you're just like, oh, I shouldn't have thrown that pass. So, I mean, I would just say that's just playing basketball, being a point guard, just reading what the defense gives you and things like that. Uh, that's my goal. And if it doesn't work out, then that usually turns out into turnover. So, But but not very often with you. And and the <laughs> other the other part of that, of course, is – your upper body strength seems especially advanced for a point guard. Do you find that you're able to reach uh, perimeter shooters, for instance, in the flow of the offense that other point guards are not? And and if so, when did you discover that skill? Because that was part of your scouting report going back to high school. Um, I'd say that, I mean, I'd, I've always been like, I've always been into like, lifting and things like that and so I feel like that helps a little bit and like with the basketball IQ I mean I can get the ball across the court so my dad had me in the gym and he's like if you want to be a good point guard you got to throw the ball be able to throw the ball from one side of the court to the other I was like okay and so like I think it's just development over time of just learning little things like that and I think that it wouldn't finding my players on the opposite side of the floor wouldn't have to do really anything with my arm strength like that just gets it there but I think basketball IQ wise that's what finds them and will make the pass capable of you. I mean, I think if you think you can throw it, you can throw it then. Hmm. So. Well, I, that may be true for you. <laughs> I don't know if that's true <laughs> for everyone. But, yeah. I, you, you know, you combine those skills in such a way. You know, here you are, your freshman year. Obviously, given that you have to, you know, be in your age 22 year uh, and completely three years of college, WNBA is a fairly decent uh, time off. Uh, from now, but how closely do you follow the league, and have you started to think about the ways in which your skills are going to translate at the next level as well? Um, I have. To, I mean, I watch the game all the time. It's men's or women's. Um, I stay kind of close to the women's game too because, I mean, that's been my goal my entire life is to make it to the WNBA. And I mean, I would say I never really thought about how my game transfers because I think my game. Even if it didn't transfer, people th don't think it would transfer well. 
I mean, I think I will always be able to adapt. I mean, I've always I've been told that my game wouldn't transfer to the college level. Uh, but then you just have to adapt. And I just think that the ability to adapt uh, to the next level uh, is something that I'm capable of doing, no matter if my game transfers or not. Well, I, I, I can't imagine what insane people said that to you at the college <laughs> level, but in terms of the next level for the professionals, the number of point guards, you, you're shooting 39% from three, and the number of point guards who are able to uh, make threes at nearly a 40% clip and also get to the basket the way you can, it, it's a real short list in this league. So beyond even just the question of how it translates, there's a real opportunity, I think, to do things at the game that very few have done. Uh, Brianne January, Mariah Jefferson, it's a handful of players, but even in their cases, uh, Brianne January, freshman year of college at Arizona State, shot only 21% from three-point range. If you talk in terms of Mariah Jefferson, her assist rate, uh, her assist percentage was lower and her turnover rate was higher than what you're putting up so far. So is there, are you hearing it? And is there a consciousness that in a lot of ways, you're doing things that really haven't been done uh, and sort of living up to the quote that uh, that you gave out back when you were in high school. Um, I don't know. Like I guess I never really thought about it. Uh, I mean, I've always been told not to really compare, like, myself to others only because our games are could be way different. Like, we may play the same position, but, like, our mindset and the way we play may just be – on the opposite sides of the scale. So, I mean, I haven't really looked at any other point guards that have done stuff. So I can't really say that I've actually thought about it. That's interesting. Well, let's compare you to you then. How do you <laughs> go about measuring your development? And when you think this through, you know, are you looking at, are, I, I know you're a student of the game. Are you looking at uh, basic stats, advanced stats? How are you measuring your uh, individual ability to get better? Um, I measure my development through my work ethic, honestly. Um, I mean, I don't think I've looked at my high school stats or anything and compared it to, oh, look how I'm doing in this, or look how I'm doing, my stats are so much better. Because, like, I just never thought that that would be how I would, in my to myself, rank myself of how I'm getting better. Like, to me, getting in the gym and knowing that I'm working is all the credibility that I need. When you look at a game like the one against Connecticut, uh, you know, Brenda talked about three-fourths of the challenge is just getting over the uniform that you're facing. You played that game without any fear at all. What are you thinking about when you guys fall behind by 19, and are you feeling that flow as that lead starts to dwindle and you guys have that home crowd behind you? Um... Uh, what I was thinking when we were down by 19 was that there's still one whole quarter and a lot of minutes in third quarter to go. And if they can build a 19-point lead in, like, four minutes or something like that, then we can surely come back from a 19-point lead with that amount of time. And uh, I'm sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no you're fine. Well, just in, in, in terms of making decisions, in a situation like that and, and even just across the board, to be a freshman point guard on a team with a couple of elite senior scorers like Bree Jones and Shatori Walker Kimbrough, how do you go about just even emotionally handling that? Where, on one hand, you're you're the leader of the team on the floor, but on another hand, 
you're coming into a team that's had a large amount of success and whose leaders are seniors? Um, I mean, I can say I learned a lot from those two. Uh, I mean, they've put me in the position that I am today of giving me that trust and ability to lead on the floor. Uh, but they also help me when I'm not, you know, when I don't understand something on the floor, like they're the first ones to be like, this is what we do. And they're really good at teaching. And so, I mean, I think coming into it, I never really thought, oh, I had to play with two All-Americans. I think my mindset was more like, wow, I get to play with two All-Americans. So, I mean, I guess it's just how you look at it. And a lot of people will be like, think to themselves, you know, my spotlight will be taken because these people have been here for four years and this and this and this. But, I mean, if you look to me, I looked at it like, wow, I get to learn from two All-Americans who are great players and also great people. And so when my time comes and I'm patient, uh, it'll be my turn to be in that position and be able to teach others. So you don't give it a second thought when I, I give you an example during the run uh, against UConn to, to cut that lead down significantly. You guys came out of a timeout and the play out of the timeout was you taking a deep three several feet behind the line. Uh, to you, it's just a question of finding that shot that works and a lot of that, I guess, has to do with uh, with Coach giving you that green light, but it's something that is obviously applauded by your teammates as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, if I probably would have missed, that probably would have been a whole different story. <laughs> but I feel like uh, since I'm very confident, and if I I know when I want to take when I'm taking a good shot, and when I'm taking a bad shot, and I'm trust me, I'm the first person to run up to my teammates and be like, "My bad, that was a terrible shot," or uh, and they're really good at understanding, like, yo, she just made that shot, and that helps us. Like, good job, way to go, keep doing it. Like, yeah. and so I mean, I'd say that's just how we are as a team. Like, we're very uplifting. If and they're really good at it, doing it for me. Like, hey, that was a good shot, or hey, that wasn't really a good shot. Let's try to get a better shot next time. A lot of the conversation after you guys lost to Connecticut was the idea that this would be the last best shot that somebody had at UConn. I don't get the feeling that you viewed it that way or that the team viewed it that way. And part, partly, I think, it's because of the improvement that you guys expect to have between now and March. Where do you see this team, and you particularly, getting better first and foremost between now and March? Um, you know, I think UConn was a really good test for us. I think it really showed us where we are and where we can improve. And I think that that's why we thought of it as that kind of game, because – uh, it didn't make or break our season. Uh, yeah, I added one loss to our record, but in the end, that's not what we're – we're not looking for an undefeated season. And so, I mean, I think on our way to to March that this can, like, help us because as a team, I know we all want the same goal and we all want that same thing. And we, we've seen that we can contend with uh, who people say is the number one team in the country. And so I think that if we are to get better and do what we have to do that – there were little things in that game that we can fix that can help our chances of reaching that goal. And I think it's just like small things like communication and um, small things on defense and offense that we could fix uh, if we want to be that number one team that we can be. On the rebounding side of things, what percentage breakdown do you think there is between how often you're crashing the boards? And I, I mean, your your team overall is among the very best rebounding teams in the country. Bree Jones particularly efficient on the offensive and defensive glass. How much do you have to do that compared to some of the some of the teams you played with coming up through high school? And how much 
does the ability of this team to rebound allow you to focus that much more on playmaking and transition? Um, well, being the point guard, I usually have to get back here. So my goal is to not even be there for a rebound. So it's a lot different than high school because in high school, I feel like I had to do like everything. If it was like I was the one getting there and rebounding also and having to do all those things. So, I mean, it helps. Uh, our defense and our team really luck for us to have people like Bree Jones being able to grab boards all the time and all the other centers and even our guards uh, being able to rebound. Uh, and it helps me just be able to be there for them in the backcourt. So. I read a story that when you would be on long bus rides in high school, AU ball, that you would be singing. Uh, but the story <laughs> didn't elaborate on what songs. I'm curious if that is something that you have brought to your college experience, and if so, what you are singing these days? Um, to be honest, I think my singing has transformed into dancing. <laughs> <laughs> this team has made me a dancer now. So I'll sing sometimes, but it's mostly dancing. I mean, and it's everything. I'm just, and if I was to sing, it'd probably be everything. I just like, I mean, I just like bringing the energy, being that bubbly personality, just kind of like uh, calming everyone down and just kind of realizing that, like, this is a special situation that we're in. And to be able to sing and dance about it and, like, be happy about it, uh, it doesn't always have to be so serious. So that's I, the kind of personality I like. Singing, dancing, and point guarding, I think, makes you, for Broadway <laughs> standards, a triple threat. Very so true. Yeah, exactly. So when you close your eyes and you imagine the way this season goes, do you envision winning a championship in Dallas? I do. I mean, I think that's everyone's goal, and especially everyone's goal on this team, uh, especially mine. I mean... There's not going to be one season that I don't think that my team can win a national championship. We could be ranked. We cannot be ranked. Uh, but that will always be the end goal. And I, I guess I'll ask you a little bit differently. Will you be surprised if you guys don't win the national championship this year? Um, with, our, with our talent, I would be surprised. But I know it's going to take a lot of work, and uh, it's going to be a long process and a long journey. And for me, as long as we go in there, and end the season with 100% effort and being the great team that we are. Um, if we end up falling short, uh, that'll be okay. But I know with the team that we have and the, the talent we have and the coaches we have that we have a strong capability of doing so. Well, I 100% agree with you, Destiny, and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Before I let you go, are there any aspects of the game, the season, or your experience so far in Maryland that – haven't been talked about that you think are not focused on enough? No, I think we covered everything. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. Well, Destiny Slocum, one of the great young talents in the game of basketball, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you to the listeners. Uh, reminder, you can follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnWBB. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook, Locked On Women's Basketball. Go ahead and subscribe to us as well. And would urge you especially to follow us on Twitter because I continue and will continue to plan to uh, retweet Destiny Slocum highlights for the foreseeable future. I'm Howard <laughs> Megdahl, wishing you a lovely day.